The day before Thanksgiving, a man in Phoenix called his son in New York and said to him, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you, your mother and I are divorcing. 45 years of misery is enough. We're sick of each other. And I tell you this first because you're the oldest, so you can call your sister in Chicago and you can tell her. So frantic, the son called his sister who exploded on the phone. She said, they are not getting divorced. I will take care of this. So she called Phoenix immediately and said to her father, you are not, N-O-T, not getting divorced. You don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back. We'll both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? The dad hung up his phone, turned to his wife, said, Okay, honey, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving, and they're paying for their own way. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. You know, I hope, I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday, and I know that there are Christians who would say, well, it shouldn't be. But what a lot of people don't realize is that Thanksgiving is a holiday that is all about God. Thanksgiving has always been about showing gratitude to God. That's what the pilgrims in Plymouth were doing. In 1621, they were in their second winter in America. The first winter had killed 44 of the original 102 colonists. Things were so tough at one point, they were each down to... Five kernels of corn was their daily food ration apiece. I mean, think about that. And then a blessing came. An unexpected trading vessel arrived, swapping them beaver pelts for more corn, thus providing for their needs. The next summer's crop brought hope, so Governor William Bradford decreed that December 13th, 1621, be set aside as a day of feasting and prayer to give thanks to God for his gracious and sufficient provision. It was all about God. President Abraham Lincoln officially set aside the last Thursday of November in 1863 as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father. Thanksgiving has always been about God. It was never intended to be just about food. It was never intended to be about getting time off of work. It was never intended to be about football. It was never intended to be about shopping. It was about giving thanks to God. It was about being thankful to God for all the blessings that we receive. Now, let me tell you something you may not be aware of. This whole concept of thanksgiving did not begin in 1621 like most of us are led to believe. Way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, you will find what was called the sacrifice of thanksgiving, where an animal would be sacrificed, would be offered up to God, and the people would eat this sacrifice, and they would share it with their family, giving thanks to God. Sound kind of familiar? I mean, we don't have animal sacrifices anymore. That stopped when Jesus became our sacrifice on the cross. But if you think about it, the turkey kind of takes one for the team, right? 
This sacrifice of thanksgiving was willingly presented to the Lord with a heart of joy and gratitude, giving thanks to God for all he has done and for all he was going to do. Psalm 50, verse 23, whoever offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifies me, and I will reveal the salvation of God to whomever continues in my way. Psalm 116, verse 17, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Friends, thanksgiving has always been about showing gratitude to God. Thanksgiving has always been about God. And what's really amazing about all of this in the book of Leviticus, they did the sacrifice of thanksgiving every day. It wasn't about setting aside one day a year to be thankful to God. It was about taking time every single day and counting your blessings and showing gratitude. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How can we have thanksgiving every day? Now, as exciting as this sounds... We can't literally have Thanksgiving every day. Groceries are too expensive anymore. But we could be thankful every day. And not only can we be thankful every day, but we should be thankful every day. And the reason for this is the big idea for the day. Our focus is not where we are, but whose we are. Our focus is not where we are, but whose we are. So in John chapter 16, verse 33, in the first half of this scripture, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now listen, as Christians, we have favor. Make no mistake about it, but it doesn't mean that we're exempt from struggles. It doesn't mean that we're immune from sickness. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Jesus says you will have troubles. There will be storms in your life. Now the second half of this scripture, Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, I took care of things. Hey, focus on me. I'm bigger than whatever your struggle is. I'm bigger than whatever the problem is that you may be facing. You know, this makes me think of the story of Jesus calming the storm. This story is recorded in Matthew. It's in Mark. It's in Luke as well. It's where after an evening spent teaching and healing people, Jesus wanted to cross the Sea of Galilee. So he loads up his disciples in a boat and they take off. And I'm going to pick this story up in... Chapter 8, verse 24 of Matthew says, Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. So we have to believe that this must be a pretty bad storm since it's terrified a boat full of professional fishermen. I mean, that's what most of these disciples were until Jesus came along. So they're terrified. And it says that Jesus is sleeping. 
Mark actually describes it in a little more detail, saying Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a cushion. So we have like thunder roaring and Jesus snoring. Disciples are screaming and Jesus is dreaming. You know, another thing that I find really strange about this story, these disciples are following Jesus because they believe that he's the Messiah. They believe that he's the Son of God and he's been performing miracles and healings to prove he is who he says he is and yet they are all still afraid. I mean, it's highly unlikely God would send his only son to save the world just to lose him in a boating accident. But they're scared. They're all scared because they're focusing on the storm. So they wake Jesus up. Now in my head, this is just in my head, this would play out with Jesus like popping up. Yes, my children, I heareth your call. I filleth your fear. I shall now cometh your storm. But I think Jesus didn't get enough nappy nap time in. Because he sounds kind of irritated. In verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. You see, the disciples were focusing more on what they were going through than who they were going through it with. They were focusing on where they were instead of whose they were. See, God is in control. Even in a storm, God is in control. Sometimes we have to go through bad stuff to get to good stuff. And we have to go through this stuff to get where we're going. We have to experience things we don't want to see to get to where God wants us to be. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the people in the book of Leviticus, man, they offered up this sacrifice of thanksgiving on a daily basis, being thankful, showing gratitude to God by taking the focus off of them and putting it on God, believing that God's bigger than anything. God's greater than everything, and he is in control. And that's why we should be thankful. Let's talk about how we can be thankful. I'm going to give you three ways to daily show gratitude to God. And the first is the way we think. The way we think... You know who I like to listen to sometimes? Joel Osteen. Now, I know Christians love to bash Joel. It's been like the end thing to do for years. He rarely teaches from Scripture. But I don't watch Joel to learn the Bible. I have my own methods of that. I listen to Joel because it's always inspiring. 
It's always a feel-good message. It's always uplifting. It's always positive. And there is power in positive thinking. It says so in the Bible. Proverbs 23, verse 7, If someone thinks within himself, so he is. Which means the person who says they can and the person who says they can't are both right. See, when it comes to thankfulness, when it comes to being grateful, the key to being is seeing. What you choose to see determines your reality, and you have the power to change your reality by shifting your focus. Listen to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's all about what you focus on. My wife this morning told me I was pretty. Actually, she told me I was pretty annoying. But I only choose to focus on the positives. You see, what you focus on becomes your perspective. It's how you look at things. And that is the key to being thankful. Now, some of you may view this cup I have up here. Some of you may view this as half empty. And some of you may view it as half full. And that is your perspective. And this perspective, though, is more than just a glass of water because this carries over into life. You know, those who have a half-empty perspective often tend to fail to see what they have. They fail to see what they have because they focus on what they don't have. They focus on what's missing. They focus on the empty half. They look at the negative in spite of the positive. I mean, they're not thinking how fortunate they are to have that full half. They're not thinking how blessed they are that God gave them that portion. Man, they're locked in on what's missing. The most unhappy people are those who have a cup half-empty attitude because they're never thankful, because they never see what they have as a blessing. They fail to see what they have around them. Sometimes they fail to see who they have around them. And they focus so much on what God hasn't blessed them with that they don't see what God has blessed them with. And God gets no glory in that. God gets no praise in that. He doesn't get the thanks that he deserves. You see, the key to gratitude is to focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. And as Christians, our focus actually extends much further than that. Remember the big idea, it's not where we are, but whose we are. It's not what we have, but who we have. It's all about Jesus Christ for us. Ultimately, everything points to Jesus. It's not about us. It's about him. It's not what we do. It's what he did. He needs to be our focus. Romans 12, verse 2 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So one way to daily show gratitude to God is by the way we think. The second way is the way we act. The way we act. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we show gratitude by the way that we honor him with our actions, by the way we speak, by the things that we do. Now it's easy to honor God when things are going good. The real test of character, the real test of integrity is how we honor God, how we conduct ourselves when things aren't going so good. You know, for years I've taken my uh, son to Brown County on fall break. It's like a guy's trip. Well, a couple years ago I took my grandson, Charles Lucas, along for the very first time. We stayed in a cabin, we hiked, and we swam at the Abe Martin Lodge. Now, little Charles, he, he actually thinks he's a ninja. So we had to kill some zombies while we were out on the trail. But anyways, I learned two very important things on that trip. And the first, Charles Lucas likes to cuddle. Man, he and I shared a bed. He literally slept on top of me. He was hugging me. He was loving on me. It was very sweet. Second thing I learned, he pees the bed. (laughs) Not so sweet. Probably should have been briefed on that one beforehand. But here's the thing. I wasn't going to let a negative experience ruin or overshadow everything else. Man, I was in... Brown County in the fall where the leaves are out and God's beauty is on full display. Covered in pee or not covered in pee? It was a blessing. You can't let your circumstances determine your thankfulness. And that's big, so I'm going to say it again. You can't let your circumstances determine your thankfulness. You can't let whatever your current situation is determine how grateful you are to God. Man, we can glorify God in victory. And we can glorify God in defeat. We can honor God in success. We can honor God in failure. We can give thanks in good times. We can give thanks in not so good times. It's not about where we are, but whose we are. And just because a situation isn't good doesn't mean God isn't good. We can praise God in adversity. I think of the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote about half the New Testament. Man, he... 
he faced a lot of adversities. He was shipwrecked twice. He was stoned with rocks, left for dead. He was abandoned by his friends. There was much more too. Yet in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, he writes, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Wow. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It said in all circumstances. We don't have to be thankful for something bad happening to us, but we can be thankful that God's bigger than anything we're going to face. We can be thankful that God's actually working in the midst of it all. In the book of Acts, there's a great story about Paul. He's on his second missionary journey. He's accompanied by a gentleman named Silas. They're in the city of Philippi. When they come across a slave girl who had a spirit in her by which she could predict the future. She was a fortune teller. Scripture says that she earned a great deal of money for her owners. So she's following Paul and Silas around. They're walking and she's standing behind them following them. And she's yelling at them. She just keeps blurting these things out. Well, finally, Paul gets annoyed and he commands by the name of Jesus Christ for the spirit to come out of her. Does anybody see a problem with this? That the owners just lost their income and they go crazy. They're not happy about this. This causes this huge uproar. Paul and Silas are stripped and beaten. They're then thrown into prison. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. These guys were just stripped and beaten and thrown into prison, yet they're worshiping God in their circumstance. Man, they're praising and thanking God, not because their circumstance is good, but because their God is good. And this praising, this thanking, it opened up a floodgate of blessings. Scripture says that God sent an earthquake that snapped their chains... The jailer and his family gave their lives to Christ and were baptized. Paul and Silas got their wounds bandaged and they got a nice meal. And in the morning, word was sent to release them. And it all started with thanking God and praising God in a tough situation, in a tough circumstance. In spite of what was happening. Heck, Paul and Silas didn't know anything was going to happen. They would have just continued singing and praying even if nothing would have happened. Because it's not about where they were, but whose they were. Man, when we get that, when we truly get that, we start to understand what's truly important. We get what really matters in life and how lucky we are and how blessed we are, how thankful 
And then it starts to show. It starts to show on our faces because all of a sudden we start smiling a little more. It shows in our words because we start to speak a little differently. And it shows in our actions because we start to do things differently. And God is glorified. And God is honored by the way we think and by the way we act. And this leads to the third way to show gratitude to God on a daily basis. Number three is the way we love The way we love. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 14. Do everything in love. Philippians 1 verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow. Man, if something is, if something is overflowing, people notice it. Don't they? I mean, they have to. If this... If I was pouring into this cup and it would start overflowing, it would start spilling over, it would start getting all over the place. Do you think the people that know you well, do you think the people who are around you the most, do you think they would describe you that way as someone who's overflowing with love? But yet as Christians, we're called to be that. Actually, Jesus commands us in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's three times. Love one another, love one another, love one another. Jesus says, I command you to love one another. This is how Christians will be recognized. And then to avoid confusion, he says, you are to love the way I loved. How did Jesus love? Unconditionally. Jesus loved unconditionally. Jesus didn't agree with everyone. Jesus didn't affirm everyone's lifestyles and decisions, but Jesus loved everyone. Jesus loved poor people. Jesus loved thieves. Jesus loved sick people. Jesus loved prostitutes. Jesus loved those who followed him, and Jesus loved those who shunned him. And yet some of us still want to pick and choose who we love. Based on social status, social views, political views, lifestyle choices. Jesus didn't pick and choose who he loved. And thank goodness Jesus didn't pick and choose who he died for. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It was a gift. It's called grace. It's called grace and it was offered up. Out of love. And Jesus commands us to do the same. To offer up love to others, not based on what they've done, but based on what he's done. Man, when you understand grace, 
When you grasp that concept, when you comprehend what Jesus has done for you, the gift that's been given to you, man, you can't help but be thankful. Gratitude is like a natural byproduct. And then you can't help but to overflow with love and people notice it. And people are impacted by it. And God is glorified in it. Man, every single day, every single day we are showered with God's blessings. Every day these blessings are poured upon us. But you know what? Very seldom do we personally thank God for it. And you see, the problem with receiving something on a regular basis is that it's easy to start taking things for granted. We fail to recognize a blessing as a gift and we eventually come to expect it. We begin to view it as entitlement. God gets no glory in that. God gets no praise in that. The opposite of thanksgiving is ingratitude. A thankful heart honors God. When you say, thank you, God, you're honoring God as your Lord. You are honoring Him as the source of all your blessings. And this is something that God deserves every single day. This is something God wants every single day, not just one day set aside. Or not just when something amazing happens. Not just when the checking account looks good. Not just when you make the varsity team. Not just when a health diagnosis comes back clean or a a life-changing job opportunity comes your way. Not just when things are going well. We can't be so focused on the larger blessings that we fail to recognize the smaller blessings. Because often the smallest blessings in life are the greatest things to be thankful for. Through some of the darkest moments is when we see God in the brightest ways. There was a young lady and she fell to her knees. She said, God, help me. My God, help me. I can't handle this anymore. I am tired, God. I am stressed out. Work has me putting in long hours. The kids won't behave. My husband doesn't seem to help with anything. Please, God, I need your help. And then she heard God whisper, which one do you want me to take away? And then she realized how thankful she was for all these things that she's complaining about. And she thanked God for all her blessings. Man, we have all been blessed. 
We have all been blessed beyond measure. It just takes a different way of thinking sometimes to see it. The key to gratitude is perspective. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's not what we have. It's who we have. It's not where we are, but whose we are. Psalm 118 verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So how can we have Thanksgiving every day? By the way we think, by the way we act, and by the way we love. Let's stand and close in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we, uh, man, God, we come before you right now, standing here together, thankful for your word, thankful for your reminder, just how blessed we truly are. God, we pray that gratitude will overflow in our lives and how we think and how we act and how we love. And that that's going to honor you, God. That's going to point people to you. God, you are going to be glorified in it. And as I've said so many times today, it's not about where we are, but whose we are. It's also true. It's not about where we are, but where we're going. This is not our home. Jesus says that he's gone to prepare a place for us. So if there's anyone here or that's listening on the live stream right now, that's never made the decision to accept Jesus into their lives, securing their place in heaven, but are ready to do so, I invite you to share this prayer with me. You can speak it out loud. You can speak it quietly in your heart. We can all say it out loud together like Pastor Chris always does. But if you're ready to secure your salvation and have your name written in the book of life, repeat after me, dear God, I admit that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness for the things I've done. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead to bring me new life. And I confess him now as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to him. I welcome the Holy Spirit into my life to guide me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.